Submitted for your approval. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. Submitted for your shadow. Another dimension. Submitted for your shadow. Another dimension. Submitted for your shadow. Another dimension. Submitted for your approval. The Twilight Zone. Submitted for your approval. The Twilight Zone. Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to a podcast not only of sound, but also of mind. It's Time to Rewind as a podcast that takes a journey into a wondrous land of time loops whose boundaries are that of imagination. Each episode, my guests and I explore these time loops one loop at a time. This stop is Trapped in the Twilight Zone, and this is the fourth and final stop at 1985's Season 1, Episode 23's first segment, Shadow Play. Here with me for the last time is Austin Pryor from Malgovich Malgovich Minute Minute. How are you doing today? Doing good. The last time, huh? Yeah. Okay. I know. I know where I'm not watching. <laughs> I'll never be back on. Okay. <laughs> the very least, the last time this season, and you know, <laughs> cool. j- just like the in the last one, we are talking about basically the last two minutes of the 1985 episode. That has the uh, the repetition of the uh, the courtroom scene uh, with all the roles shifted around, and um, this time I, I did notice one extra um, role that I that I didn't mention in the Alice Lauren episode, which I'm surprised that I didn't notice because he really looks out of place but at the same time I I think that you know they give him glasses and in him wearing a suit because uh, the 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 district attorney in this one was actually the the mean prison guard um yeah and and I thought that was an an interesting choice and and he I feel like he really does look out of place cuz he he looks like a mean <laughs> the actor I think Looks like he's more fitting as <laughs> as a mean prison guard rather than as a professional <laughs> district attorney. Uh, and then just quickly going through the the other roles, uh, his jailmate across the hall is now his defense lawyer. Uh, the defense lawyer is now the judge, and his father, who played the priest, is now the jury foreman. Mm. Yeah, which is very uh, very apt. And again, the '85 version is is a bit better at pinning a meaning to some of these swapping faces and changes and stuff you know um so the dad was the priest was the father was the 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 figure that gives counsel or you know is is but it's also an authority figure and you know and now the the father is is giving the judgment is passing judgment and uh, i'm sure if we looked at other loops of this guy's uh, nightmare we would see the father as the judge um or even one of the executioners you know so i'm sure the dad kind of jumps around this thing yeah and uh, actually i i think it is a good point to to talk about the the shifting of of the roles and and how they connect uh, because i i think it is interesting that especially in this one that there is that that connection between the the characters two different roles because we have his jailmate across the hall who is very sympathetic to him as a character 
in mm-hmm. in the over the course of the episode, and now he's his defense lawyer. So he's he's yes. still on the basically on the same side. He's still, um, you know, uh, working for him as a character in this. And then the defense lawyer who, in in the pre in the majority of the episode, she was kind of questioning the the existence. She was not necessarily judging what was going on, but questioning what was going on. Yeah. She's now the one in charge of of this courtroom scene as the judge. Yeah. And and his father, who he he had the question of you know our. Why is he haunting me? Why is he judging, passing judgment on me? And now he's the f- jury foreman, which gives the the guilty verdict. And the prison guard, who was you know a very mean and antagonistic to him, is now the district attorney, the the prosecution that is working towards yeah. his guilt. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we can assume that these are. Yeah, these are faces from his life that somehow correspond to these roles. Mm-hmm. I think in in dreams, I don't I don't see faces very vividly. I think that like if it's the people who are my loved ones in my life, I just I know what they look like, and I see their face, not in any great detail. It's almost like it's just my awareness that it is their face is all the information my brain needs to kind of keep going with the dream. So I certainly don't find that my, that faces come to me that clearly, you know, and if I haven't seen somebody in a while, I do find it hard to recall the exact detail of their face just by, just by closing my eyes and imagining, you know, Hmm. but I do, I do get like, you know, awful moments of how the hell do I know this person, you know, <laughs> and um, and can't pin the face to the the name or anything. So I think, you know, everything like that exists on a spectrum. Some people are just really good. As soon as they see the face, it just clicks with them and everything. Yeah, I, I'm I'm somewhere in, in the middle, especially yeah. in terms of like movies and TV shows that whenever I see like a character actor, I'll be like, I recognize that person. And then yeah. it, for me, it's like 50, 50, you know, sometimes I'll be like, Oh yeah, they're this person that played in this role. And, yes. and this yeah. role. And, and then other times it's like, Oh, I, I can't for the life of me think of where yeah. I know them from. Yeah. And you'll just be sitting there like, Oh, it's going to kill me. I have to look it up. Yeah. But yeah. But what about in dreams? Do you, do you see faces vividly in dreams? Do you think? Um, I, my big issue is, as like I talked about before, my memory, memory of my me. dreams is, is so so nebulous that, you know, I I remember having a dream. I would say on average, maybe three to four times a year. So it, yeah. it's it's extremely rare. I think that... I'd I think I'd be about the same now, but I was much I had much higher hit rates as a teenager and a child and uh, in turn like i i remember like i know that i have extremely vivid cinematic dreams mm. but at the same time whenever i wake up they they're just they just disappear it's all just cheerios quickly. yes yeah <laughs> like yeah. I, like i i can remember the mood i can kind of remember the like the overall arc, but then 
trying to remember details or, or the flow of it is just completely impossible. Even, even if I take yeah. the time where, you know, sometimes I will take that time because I've read articles on, you know, ways to better remember your dreams. And I think the biggest one that, that oh, yeah. sits with me is if you want to take steps to remember your dream, whenever you wake up, don't open your eyes. Like whenever you are, have the awareness that you're yeah. awake, keep your eyes closed and and try to walk through your dream with your eyes closed. And, and that repetition yeah. helps build it within your memory. Because mm -hmm. typically as soon as your eyes open and then your mind starts getting the, the visual information from yes. your surroundings, yeah. that overrides your dream memory. That's interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely try that because I have had I had I've had a couple of experiences recently where I wake up in the middle of the night and I was clearly had been dreaming, um, but I just don't think of it. And then I get up and go to the toilet or I just kind of walk around wondering if I will be able to get back to sleep or not or whatever, and then go back to sleep. And as soon as or go back to bed and as soon as my head hits the pillow, the familiarity of the environment and the feeling, the sensation of lying down brings the dream back to the forefront of my mind. But that's like, it's like, like you said, grasping smoke, you know, it's just gone. But as soon as it happens, I'm like, oh, I could have been thinking of this dream the whole time. But the dream, the even the awareness that there was a dream only hits me when I get back into the bed and the familiar feeling of the bed just brings a sense of a dream and what amazes me in those moments is your capacity to have a thought that a thought that is not relatable in any way it's not intelligible it's not because it's because it's a memory of a recent experience i.e the dream but there are no words there's no strong image there's a sense of some imageness about it and the things i end up saying to myself Oh, I remember the dream. There was a sense in which I was separate from this thing that was going on that I was aware of. And that's like you end up saying things like that. And you're just like, what? Well, that's not a thing. That's not a thought. But, like, but I understand of, the words that I'm saying. I like I yeah. understand the words individually, but then put yeah. together, they don't make any sense. Yeah, because I'm trying to pin words on something that has no business having words pinned on it, because it's just this feeling and it's this kind of context. And there's some vague spatial information as well as some vague emotional information. <laughs> it's just like insufficient data, you know, just like it, it's it doesn't work. Um. And that's kind of, yeah, that's why it's so boring listening to people telling their dreams because <laughs> it's just insufficient data, you know. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, for this 85 version, by this time in it, I am kind of, um, I've come around to quite liking this version. I still, on balance, I think the 1961 version is a better piece of television. And it's just because it's got more flair to the production um the acting although very much of its era has dated a bit better in the i i have i kind of have this thing about acting that like whenever we look at older tv shows and we just we or movies and whatever it's like wow how did people kind of put up with that acting and and it's so kind of stilted and unnatural and stuff but like we only think that the acting that we watch nowadays 
is natural because we're surrounded by it. If you take your favorite drama that you think of, that you think of at the, uh, the, the pinnacle of acting and, and you watch that and you sometimes if you mute or sometimes if you just jump in on a scene and you haven't been brought into the TV show or the movie or whatever with by setting the atmosphere, you're not in the world of it. Just just watch it and watch it in a coldly analytical way and say to yourself, I'm going to try and believe that this is real and that that's not a person acting. You will realize how stylized our acting is that we're used to nowadays, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just that like um, acting is is style. It, it has a it has a fashion to it. It, 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 it has uh, there are trends that come and go and it's, it's um, caricature. It is. It is caricature. And it's you're you're doing something with your face that shows um Sometimes the point is to show as little as possible because your character is 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 hiding, and sometimes it's like the character can't help, you know, let all, all of their thoughts. Sometimes there's, now I'm talking about acting. I think they like I don't know if you watch Better Call Saul, but there's a particular particular actor Ray Seahorn, the the, the woman who plays uh, Kim. I think is 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 um, Saul's uh, girlfriend in it. And she is just a phenomenal actor and I could just I could watch her all day. And she has this amazing ability to to make all of her characters inner thoughts flit across her face in 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 a matter of moments. And you following her beat by beat. She she is sometimes we stay on her while she's not talking, while she's just listening. And that way you get both sides of this conversation. You get her all of her emotional responses and she's just brilliant and and i mean you know loads of great actors can do this where they're telling you so much of the story with their face mm. and if you look at people's faces in real life they they don't do nearly as much work as that I mean, i'm sure some people do but it's it's not it's not about realism it's about communicating ideas and 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 telling a story and um so yeah how did i get onto acting yeah because because I think the acting, there are there are definite moments in this 1961 version where I think the acting is a little bit ropey and they could have taken a few more takes, especially anytime somebody's laughing and and you know the the the, the maniacal laughing that that uh, the main character mm-hmm. does doesn't really come off and it's a bit cringy in, in some of them, but then there's some bits where he's like when he's relating the story of of the electrocution and the execution and how and how he's been through it all these different times. He's like, his throat starts getting dry and you can hear him swallow and he's just, you see the kind of sweat on him and you just, it's so engrossing. It's so compelling to watch. And, and I just, I don't think the eighties version has, has those heights. It's, it's TV acting, which is like, it's a notch above. And this is not. This is a very, very important distinction. I'm not talking, saying these are bad actors. I'm saying this acting style, which is to do with the production schedule as much as it is to do with who's the director on the day, you know, because it's like you don't have time to just take you have have 50 takes and, and have all this different. So what you have is the what you have is style and style choices. And I'm reading the script. I know what I'm going to do with this. And 
I just prefer the style that they used in the 60s to the style that they used in the 80s. But then from a writing point of view, I really I, I, I think that most of the additions and, and changes were added depth to the story. And I really came to appreciate the 80s one. Yeah, I, I really think that whenever you're comparing the, the, these two versions, that the, the 60s version has better cinematography, better, yeah. better visual style. And the 80s version has better writing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, I think, um, apart from a couple of changes that I think, you know, I think they made the premise way too distinct in the opening bit before the narration. And, um, and there was, uh, yeah, that, that was the, the one choice I kind of didn't like from the writing point of view. And then from there on, I think they made some really interesting choices. Um, but that brings me to this to this point that I kind of think uh, you and Alice were talking about, and Alice made the point that like watching them back to back like this, you can you can kind of convince yourself that it's not a remake, it's a sequel. That, or that's not that they weren't her exact words, but that you can imagine that he's <laughs> just been dreaming about this the whole time, and he's having this recurring and recurring. And I was just like. As soon as I heard that, I was just like, yes, and yes, and let's do this. Because <laughs> the obvious conclusion then to that is that if, if they are both canon, that there's, we then, the obvious next step is to let's, let's talk to Jordan Peele. I don't know if there's a plan to do a season three of no, the they, new, they, they've they cancelled said that, it, have they? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they, the official statement is that they feel like they don't have any more stories to tell. So they, okay, well, I've got one for them. <laughs> <laughs> Cause they, so. they say that it, it was, it wasn't so much that, um, that Paramount plus canceled them because of yeah. ratings or, or budget or yeah. anything, but they, the, the Jordan Peele and his, uh, his fellow showrunners, they made the decision themselves to not make a third a third season. That's interesting. Yeah, that's usually the way. That's usually the way things are on um, in in like British TV and Americans are all like, "Why did that show stop?" And it's like, "Well, they stopped. They were finished making it, so they stopped making it." It's like, <laughs> "What? That can't happen." You've like you keep getting renewed. You keep making the show, and that's just and that's just a, it's a cultural difference, and it's a it's you know it's a, it's the, the the commercial model is different, and there's more m- money in the American system. So so if people are watching The Office, The Office is going to keep getting made up to nine seasons, <laughs> whether 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 the main character Michael Scott is is in it anymore. You know, that's just kind of what happens. And I I mean I much prefer the 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 way it's done in the UK of like you know because you're you're less likely to be flogging a dead horse so it's just unusual to even hear though that the happen. UK still has Red Dwarf yeah oh wow Red Dwarf <laughs> do we have time to start talking about Red <laughs> oh wow uh, Red Dwarf is yeah that is like Rob Grant and Doug Naylor Doug Naylor just can't stop making that show and um and he uh he can't stop thinking in those in those worlds i i will say like i i did a whole deep dive on red dwarf um a couple of years ago caught up i couldn't believe they were still making it i had i had been out of touch with it for years and um i will say that although the new episodes aren't amazing they are far better than they have any business being they're like 
they're almost funny in places and they're yeah, they're I, almost interesting in places. Red, Red Dwarf is a show that I I caught just handfuls of random episodes on PBS yeah. whenever they were shown over here. And yeah. then whenever they started coming out with the DVDs, I started collecting the DVDs and, and I have the first five seasons on, on DVD, which I've watched. That's that's about right. Uh, and that, that's, that, and I that's exactly where to stop. <laughs> Series six is okay. It's just very formulaic and it's very much the same. There's some very good stuff in it, but then it then that's when it really finished after season six, uh, series six, and then and then series seven was like Rob Grant didn't come back and Doug Naylor did, and 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 seven and eight are just awful. They're just unwatchable, and they brought Kachansky into it and just oh dross. <laughs> wow, how do we start talking about Red Dwarf? <laughs> anyway, I need to get up, I need to get back onto my main rant because I've you're I'm, I've been taken onto sub rants here. Um, the the main rant is like I started thinking about this last night of like what a a a a, a third chapter in the Shadow Play trilogy would be a third entry in, in in the trilogy, and you would connect the previous two more than they already are, and you can have this guy going through, and of course you can do it longer. Um, you know you would do it as like a, a an hour long slot, and you can have it that he's been having this dream again and again, and you can show like even clips and images from the first two, but you can also show like, it hasn't just been like hanging and electric chair. It's been, you know, gas chamber and like guillotine even, and show (laughs) it as, you know, um, as, as if he was back in the, you know, French revolution or something and that he's imagined it in all these different ways. And that there's been this rotating cast of characters, but what what is kind of interesting about the first two these versions that we're talking about today being if if the 85 one is is a sequel then that it adds a very interesting layer because the whole thing we've been talking about the way the way the 85 one is written in that it adds wrinkles and it develops the idea more well now that fits because this is a later iteration of the dream and go back to what I was saying earlier about, I think he had this dream for years without any of the lucid dreaming aspect. And he just dreamt the whole thing over and over again. And then he became more and more aware. And so by the time we catch up with him in the 85 episode, he has started to recognize, Oh yeah, my sister is always in it. My dad's always in it. Um, my sister hates me. I feel guilty about something. And that must be the reason why. So these, these things he hadn't been aware of in the earlier iterations, he's becoming more and more aware of. And so that gives us this potential for the story where he can start, you know, becoming more aware and then start saying, well, now he has to, you know, unlock whatever this, this secret is. He's guilty and he doesn't know why. So that brings you to maybe like a storyline about, Repressed memory. Now, repressed memory is kind of a tricky one because it was very, there's an oblique reference to it. You know, I, I'm guilty and I don't know why in this, in this 85 version. And it was a fashionable idea in the 80s and 90s, but it's very much fallen out of favor. And there were some awful miscarriages of justice due to, um, the myth of, of repressed memory. You know, people being, under hypnosis influenced into forming new memories and um and and memories of abuse and then somebody being convicted on the strength of that and stuff it's awful so 
maybe I'm not crazy about the idea of, of, you know, propagating the myth of repressed memory, but it just, it fits so well that. Yeah. There, there's a podcast that I listen to called criminal. Uh, yes. And, yeah. and they had an entire episode where they talked to someone who was basically given a false memory. Yeah. About, yeah. Uh, about uh, child abuse and, and where he created these false memories of abuse and actually convicted yeah. his, um, it was either his biological father or his stepfather. And it wasn't. Is until, that the Freedman's case? Uh, I, I don't remember. Ca- There's a documentary capturing the Freedman's and it's either that or a very similar case that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that situation happened. The, where the satanic was, panic. It was the same. Yeah. Yeah. Where he was basically yeah, right. fed these false memories over a course of time. And when he was a child, so much so that he, that they basically implanted these false memories to, to where he yeah. actively believed that they happened, even though they didn't. Yeah. And it's a terrible thing because not only are you falsely convicting somebody, but you're abusing this child by giving them these awful traumatic memories that never actually happened and creating this enmity between the, the child and the parent. It's just like, and it's all from, like what they call an excess of virtue. It's all from wanting so much to be the hero and find a case where you can protect a child and you can convict a, a wrongdoer. And um, and cops do it by, you know, grilling kids until they tell you what they want to hear. And psychologists do it and psychiatrists do it in the same way through hypnosis and suggestion. Some of the accounts are like, in retrospect, it's so obvious that it's suggestion. <laughs> you know and uh yeah it's fascinating yeah but i i but, do like your your idea of updating this a with, three. with yeah. yeah a part three where it escalates and i think that there's a couple different ways that you could potentially do it one is to actually spend more time in his waking life where he yeah where he would be an older man and, and he is dealing with the uh you know, his day to day life where he like his life is kind of in shambles because he's had this recurring dream every single night for the entirety, mm-hmm. like since he was a young man. And, and I would say yeah. that, uh, like I would probably cast, you know, someone like maybe in his fifties, uh, sixties. Yeah. Uh, so a slightly older person. And then the yeah. other thing that you could potentially do it is if you like expand on the, the fact that this dream world actually is created every night and yeah. the the dream characters are becoming more and more self-aware as they come on as time goes on and to where they are becoming more fully formed characters and they're like actively trying to keep him in the dream for longer so that way they can exist for a longer period yeah. of time yeah, I think there's two interest. You could go like either of those two ways, or or both of them. Yeah, and you could have them use the fact that the characters are more kind of realized now. You could have him use that to get his day of execution, and maybe even start to kind of um, do something, you know, therapeutic within the dream, and 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 creating something. You know, it'd be interesting to have like versions of the dream where he starts to have these moments of calm and freedom and then 
you know, down comes the, you know, a cop comes and arrests him again and takes him, rips him out of that, that, you know, uh, pleasurable moment and into something, you know, back into, into, you know, you thought you could evade justice and you will be, you know, sentenced and, and, uh, back to the courtroom, back to the, and then of course the ending or the, the, the only way he can break the loop is to unlock this, um, well, I think there's two, two good. I think there's two good potential good endings for this. Go, go, go ahead and, and say yours first. Well, I'm thinking like the only way. The, the, my only problem with the ending I came up with was that it might not be Twilight Zoney enough because it's too much kind of resolution. But basically, it it unfolds what the the what the problem was. You know, my my sister hates me. I don't know why. Who knows what goes on between brothers and sisters? I'm guilty, and I don't know why. And the father keeps. So I think the father was abusing the sister and he was the big brother and he failed to protect his sister and he's racked with guilt and people carry shit like that for their entire lives, you know? So uh, that's my kind of, that was like, I was kind of started pitching it to my wife last night (laughs) because I was started to, and she, she said, she was like, Oh, like she figured it out as I was saying it. And I was like, what? And I was like, oh, she said, oh, I thought you were going to say the dad was abusing the sister. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'll do. Yeah, I'll have that. <laughs> you know, because it just it just fits. And you could obviously go different ways. But that's what I had. And then that he would like he would kind of resolve it in the dream and get his day of execution. And you would have to create a bit of a plot there to to, to relate those two a bit more. And that then he wakes up and of course there's this awful freedom you know so he wakes up and he's free of the dream now and he knows he just knows in his guts that he's not going to have it again but now he has this awful realization of what has gone on in his family and we just like pull out as he's crying in bed (laughs) and 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 alone with this awful truth you know yeah i think the other way the other direction to go and i think it would be good to have like the longer format and then you could have repetitions of the dream as well yeah show the the entire dream like maybe three or four times over the course of the episode but i i like the idea of you know like i was saying that these dream characters are becoming more and more realized and more and more real and it, it would end with him getting that stay of execution and him continuing to like maybe even get get freed within the dream world. And then whenever it cuts to back to the real world, he's passed away. And so he continually oh, exists. Wow. Yeah. In, in this dream world that he's created is has yeah. become his his afterlife. Yeah, or you could pull out and he's in um He's in a coma. Yeah. He could maybe he was in a coma the whole time. And this was uh, this was why he kept dreaming, because he was. uh, Yeah, he never did wake up. And that's why it never showed the waking life in the previous episodes. (laughs) There's there there are lots of different things you could do with it. But I just I I I kind of as soon as Alice said it in the previous episode, I was like, why didn't I think of that? They're already (laughs) the repetition is built into the story. So of course you can you can say that they are one story that the remake is a sequel yeah and and then that of course points to the next chapter yeah yeah and one other thing that that I did because I I was curious is I did do my you know my my five minutes of research five minutes of Google research on the the actual history of hangings 
in the United States since. Oh yeah, yeah. I meant to look this up as well. Yeah. And so the you know hangings did exist in in the U.S. and it's it did kind of exist um, to a certain extent in in the course of '85, but they they weren't actively being done. It was just you know they they existed as a possibility, but in the law. Yeah, but the last public hanging actually occurred back in 1936. Uh, wow. Rainey Bethia was hanged after he was convicted of rape, and uh, over 20,000 people came to Owensboro, Kentucky, which was where it was held. And and I include that because I actually spent a year, you know, my, my first time after I left home, uh, and moved to my first job. I, I spent a year living in Owensboro, Kentucky, so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, wow. And, and then they actually, you know, they stopped them. And But after 1965, there was only three more hangings, and all three of them occurred between 1993 and 1996. No way. So yeah. there was little a little hanging resurgence. Yeah, and, after, and in all of those cases... I believe they they happen in states where the there was the choice between lethal injection or hanging, and the uh, the prisoners actually actively decide chose hanging over the lethal injection. I think I would too. Um, yeah, lethal injection is meant to be the more the more research that comes out about it, and the more that's understood, is meant to be like an absolutely terrible way to die. Yeah, I am. You're- your blood starts burning from the inside, basically. It's been a while since I looked it up, but I, I do remember a bit of that because, you know, the explanation is, you know, it's just like going to sleep, but then the more study that they do, it's like you yeah. know, you're, you're paralyzed first. Yes. And so you're basically still conscious. Yeah, and you can't scream when, you know, so it, it looks painless from the outside. But, of course, that's that is the sum total of the... It's It's... It's humane treatment theater. It's not about humane treatment. If it was about humane treatment, there wouldn't be you wouldn't be killing people. It's like it's entirely theater to show what well, we'll look. We're doing it in a respectful, formal way. I've always thought as well that like our stories kind of always um, celebrate somebody facing their death with with dignity. But um, really, I think that just serves the. Um, that serves the, the the status quo. It serves the powers that be, because if you don't cause a fuss and you, you know, you're basically just making it easy on your murderers. You know, I, you know, if I were ever sentenced to death, I would just like absolutely kick and scream and I would just like shout, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Dear God, I want to live. You know what I mean? I would just like make it as as unpleasant for these uh the people carrying it out as possible because it is just like this 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 sanitization of it and 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 this kind of like the appearance of the 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 veneer of respectability that it's given by these formal processes are just like they just compound the barbarity of it but i I think that's about all i have for this episode you know it's (laughs) it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you and, and going on all these tangents and, and rants it's excellent, I've, excellent. I've really enjoyed it uh, <laughs> i get a sense you don't want to get too much into the politics of the death penalty <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm. I'm happy to stick with you know the the sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. the unreality of dream characters well, actually of course, existing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but of course Rod Serling was famous for. Um, you know, working political messages into his uh, into the Twilight Zone. You know, that was like he he did more social commentary through analogy and 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 and, um, and uh, you know metaphor in in uh, than than most other shows were doing, even when they you know supposedly dealt with the issues at the time, because media was you know there's no abject censorship. But there was, you know, there was a lot of it was media was very conservative and there was a lot you couldn't say. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, again, thanks. Thanks so much for talking with me. And uh, you're you so got, welcome. Thank you. You so got much one more me. chance to to tell everybody where they can find you online. Come on over to Malkovich dot net and um, you any any whatever social platform you use you will find a link to it there and you'll find the as of as of recording the 25 released episodes that we've done so if you want to catch up there'll be plenty more coming in the new year um i suggest that you can watch the watch the movie again it's available on criterion edition blu-ray it's available in if you're in the uk and ireland markets it's available on um Eureka, I think. And um, there's a great Blu-ray of it over here as well. Um, if you want to be newfangled about it and watch it streaming. Where did you say uh, it I was believe it's, it's currently on Peacock right now. It's on Peacock. Okay, the NBC one. Um, great. So that's, uh, oh yeah, NBC Universal. It is a Universal Pictures release, so that makes sense. It's a, it's a great movie, well worth watch. And um, yeah, you can follow along. So yeah, so, so Boba Wheat, thank you very much for having me. And I'll uh, see you when I see you. Have, I'll have you over Malkovich <laughs> Way someday soon. All right, sounds good. And as always, I am Boba Wheat. You can find me at flightstightsandmovienights.com. You can find me on Twitter at Bubba Wheat, and you can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on Anchor.fm, as well as anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. And we also have a Facebook group, It's Time to Rewind, a time loop group. Go ahead and join that and have discussions on each episode as they come out, as well as any sort of discussion or memes about time loops in general. And if you're listening to this on uh, Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate it if you go into that and leave us a rating or a review uh, to help you know, uh, help increase our, our presence. Uh, I'd greatly appreciate it. So until next time, I will still be here trapped in the Twilight Zone. Submitted for your approval. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. So light for your approval. Another dimension. So light for your shadow. Another dimension. So light for your shadow. Another dimension. Self. So light for your shadow. Another twilight zone. Submitted for your approval. The twilight zone. Submitted for your approval. The twilight zone. It's something else that holds Adam Grant in the hot, sweaty grip of fear. Something worse than any punishment this world has to offer. Something found only in the Twilight Zone.